This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Join the 4.9 Friday morning show with Leo. Now, Michael Hutchins, of course, was part of In Excess, the lead singer of In Excess. A band has sold over 45 million units worldwide. Michael passed away um, in November 1997, but the band is still recording. And um, last year's In Excess TV uh, miniseries was a great success for Channel 7. Joining me on the line is um, a guy that is a photographer. He's also an author and a friend of Michael who has spent many years um, with Michael over the years when he was alive doing his photography. Bit of a mentor role. Welcome to Joy, Mr. Richard Simkin. Thanks for having me again. No worries. Now, we spoke last year, Richard, when you released your last book, about the Australian Legends, which is a fantastic book about our greatest Aussie legends. And with this next book, it's all about the life of Michael Hutchins. And as a teenager growing up, you were quite, um, I guess, obsessed with celebrities. I think most kids have a fascination with celebrities, and I was just like all the other kids. And, you know, back in the 80s when I was a kid, I used to wait at the... uh, Dress outside the dressing rooms with the other kids, and when the sporting stars would finish the games, they'd come out and we'd get autographs. And then um, that kind of moved into more of the international side of things. Where, when in '89, I found out about a hotel called the Siebel, which was in Sydney, and uh, you could go down there and you know hang out the front with uh, a bunch of other people, and you know people like Bon Jovi would be there, and Carly uh, Minogue. Cindy Lauper, and you know you could uh, you could meet them, and uh, and that year in '89 I did meet Michael Hutchins, and uh, I was only oh, 15 or 16, and um, I didn't know what charisma was, but there was something you know I knew there was something special about Michael, and uh, he was so charismatic and really really cool. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I uh, found out that In Excess was doing a, a record. Uh, at recording studios and I popped down there on, it was school holidays it was January 1990 and we're on school holidays and I popped down to the studios to see if I could meet in excess and Michael again and, and I did and it was it was pretty cool and you know all of in excess were fantastic and uh, so I, th- I was kind of hanging out there on my school holidays which was about I guess four or five weeks at the time and there was a few other girls at the time hanging out there too and uh, it came time to go back to school and I said to my mum Instead of going back there and you know hitting the books, I should stay at uh, at the recording studio within excess because you know I want wanted to become a photographer and uh, here was the opportunity of a lifetime to do that and I was you know doing lots of photos of Michael Hutchins and you know back in you know eighty nine and ninety he was certainly one of the biggest pop stars in the world or rock stars in the world and uh, so yeah I never went back to school and in fact I spent about five months at the studios within excess and uh, every day. You know, took more and more photos and uh, ended up to be a nice little collection. Dream on white boy, white boy. Dream on black girl, black girl. And wake up to a brand new day. To find new dreams that washed away. What an amazing 
opportunity because obviously back in the 80s, it was a different world back then. You know, yeah. th- there was no smartphones, there was no YouTube, so it was all it was pretty much organic, wasn't it? It wasn't. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a real kind of innocence to all of it. You know, when we took the photos, they were on our camera. We had film, and you know, we couldn't look at them instantly. So we'd go off and print them, and then put them in a photo album, and you know, that was kind of the end of it. You know, there was no sticking them up on social media and having you know hundreds or, or thousands or possibly millions of people viewing these images. They were just, you know, kind of for us. I guess what that's why it kind of happened so nicely because, you know, when I did these photos of Michael, you know, he was dating Kylie Minogue. He was really famous. He was in the tabloids. And people, of course, were offering money for any sort of photos of, you know, those sort of people. And uh, my photos, you know, were never sold. They were always just for me. And I think that was the nice thing, you know, where... Michael trusted me, and that's why I had so much ac- access to him over the years. I guess over the years, he was more of a, a, a mentor, a big brother, I guess, to you mm. as well, because you were a teenager, and you were with this the world's biggest band, one of the world's biggest bands, and the lead yeah. singer took it under his wing and really encouraged you with your photography and everything and, and helped you. What's the biggest misconception about Michael Hutchins, do you think? Yeah, I, I, that's that's a tough question. Um, I think probably, because he was a big rock star and, you know, there was always girls around and he had famous girlfriends and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you, you read some of the tabloid stories that he was always betting girls and stuff. And I, I think that was a misconception. I think, you know, Michael loved, you know, kind of just sitting around with a bunch of people and just talking about everything, you know, from politics to, to, to movies to poetry and everything in between. And, you know, he'd often just sit around with a bunch of people and just, you know, talk, you know, and it could be all night, you know. He could invite a bunch of people back to his hotel room and, you know, a lot of them might might have been, you know, very sexy girls. And uh, But no one tried anything, you know, he never tried to, you know, hit them up and all that sort of stuff. And 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 take advantage of them, you know. He he enjoyed, you know, a glass of wine and sitting on the floor and having a chat. So it wasn't always, you know, the kind of that sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle which people may have think that he led. There was there was a much higher level, to, you know, of Friday morning show with Leo. My my special guest on the line from Sydney this morning is author and photographer Richard Simkin. Now he's written a book all about Michael Hutchins, of course, the lead singer of In Excess, a great showman, a great great lead singer for a band and an Aussie icon. Now Richard, you mentioned before the, the break that he dated some famous woman and of course for our audience, Kylie Minogue is, of course, you know, this huge gay icon. And back in 89 to 91, he dated Kylie Minogue. Yeah. It's been reported a lot over the years that Michael's favourite hobby was corrupting Kylie. <laughs> yeah. But what do you think Kylie taught Michael during that relationship? I think she would have taught him a lot, you know, because I guess he was rediscovering 
that early stages of fame and uh, rediscovering, you know, I guess almost the music industry, you know, for the first time with Kylie because she'd only been in the sort of pop world for a year or two before we started dating Mike. I think Locomotion came out in 87, didn't it? So it was all kind of new to Kylie. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, like how... Michael took me under his wing. Well, I guess he did the same with Kylie. But of course, they you know they had a relationship there. But uh, uh, I guess they taught each other a lot of things. And uh, yeah, Michael was quoted as you said before. You know, his favourite sort of hobby was corrupting Kylie. But I'm sure Kylie may have taught him a few things as well over the years. Exactly. And of course, when you were in the studio, you ran into Kylie quite a bit in the studio. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, she's a, she's a fantastic um, Aussie icon is in her own right so do you still keep in contact have you seen her over the years since like since then i i used to see her quite a bit kind of during the 90s well i haven't seen her for many years i haven't seen her probably for about seven or eight years now so i doubt she'd even remember me but back in the 90s you know we certainly uh, knew each other and um and yeah she would visit michael of course i mean you know because even though they were both very famous, they're still both people, and they were boyfriend and girlfriend. So, you know, Michael's work was at the studios, and that's where he did his work and made albums. So, you know, of course, you know, the girlfriend would come along, and who it just happened to be Kylie, and, uh, mm. and and hang out there. And so she'd be at the studios as well. So um, we got to spend a bit of time with her. And, you know, she'd walk around Oxford Street up in Sydney and go shopping a lot, and her and Mark would go out clubbing around Paddington and Oxford Street in Sydney. And... Uh, they were quite regulars, both of them back in the you know back in those days, and um, you know they really loved the scene, so it was it was cool because you know I was kind of part of it for a while as well, so uh, it was a lot of fun. So over the years, you remained quite close to Michael. You know, went to his concerts and caught up with him when he was in town and everything. Yeah. Do you recall the last time you saw Michael before he passed away? I do. Was he, yeah, in, was I he in good spirits? So, what was going through his mind? Was he in a good space? I guess. Well, look, as we all know, you know, he probably wasn't in a good space. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But look, I caught up with him and his dad two days before he passed away. So I, I, I saw Michael on the. 20th of November, 97, it was a Thursday, and, and me and his dad, who I knew quite well, Kel and Michael, uh, went down to a cafe in Double Bay, and uh, we spent some time down there chatting. And look, you know, Michael, I, I guess he had, there was, you know, obviously there was a lot going on, as we found out, you know, sometime later. So, but he didn't speak about it on that day. You know, he was looking forward, you know, to um, Paula and Tiger and possibly some of the other kids coming out from London. And, uh in excess, we're about to start their Australian tour again. Um, I know he just had some meetings in Los Angeles with people like Quentin Tarantino and Michael Douglas about doing some sort of Hollywood work. Um, so, you know, even though there was the negative side of things in his life, there was also a lot of positives too. So I didn't see, you know, any sort of darkness in him, you know, I guess you could say two days before he passed away. And, of course, you know, none of, none of us could predict, you know, what was about to happen. 
Because the 22nd of November 1997 must be a date in your mind, Richard. I mean, the date that Michael passed away was um, the world lost a rock star, you know, one of the leading rock stars and he's such a charismatic person, loved his family, loved his fans, loved the band. Do you remember the day where you found out? Where were you when you found out the bad news? Well, you know, it's a, it's a good question, but I was supposed to take him to rehearsals the day he passed away. So on the Thursday, you know, when I last saw him, he, I said to him, how are you getting to rehearsals? They were doing, you know, band rehearsals for the concerts. And um, he said, I don't have my Harley at the moment. I'm getting it next week. So I'm just getting taxis. And I said, okay, well, tomorrow I'm busy, but on Saturday I can come to the hotel and take you to rehearsals. And uh, he was like, oh, okay, great, yeah. So, I, you know, we kind of made a time of about, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock type thing. And um, got down to the hotel and uh, I saw some, after a little while of waiting, I saw some very kind of nervous-looking hotel staff. And then from memory, I think an ambulance turned up and then the police turned up. And then a short time later, a news cameraman came running down the street. He had the camera on his shoulder and he came up to me and I was still standing out the front, but obviously was aware that, you know, something had obviously gone on. Not to the extent of what had happened, but I was thinking, you know, something's gone on upstairs. And uh, he said, I said, what's going on? And he said, oh, I've just been in the the, the um, van up the road, the news van, and was listening to the police radio because, you know, they did that looking for stories. And he said, I heard that an Australian international rock star had been found dead in his hotel room. Do you know who that might be? So I guess that's that's how I found out that Michael had died. Oh my God! I can't believe what you went through that day, Richard. It was uh, it was surreal, you know. And and I um, a few weird things happened from that day. My girlfriend was working in a department store um, back in '97, and I instantly called her, and, and you know she picked up the phone, and and you know it was David Jones, so it was quite a large department store. And uh, I said, I've got some horrible news, and she said, What? And I said, uh, Michael's dead. And she told me as soon as I said those words, there was a blackout on on the on the floor where she was in David Jones, and the whole of that level where she was working went completely black. And uh, the lights were out for about ten minutes, and it was just one of those really surreal moments. As soon as I said those words to her, she said, "You wouldn't believe it that the whole floor's gone dark." So yeah, it was look, it was it was just one of those surreal kind of moments in your life where you kind of keep questioning it, you know, why, how, what happened, and uh, I guess mo- many people are still asking those questions. We could live for a thousand years, but if I hurt you, I make wine from your tears, I told you, and we could memory lives on in your new book uh, which is out right now it's called Michael Hutchins Michael and Pictures a celebration of the life of Michael Hutchins now in this book Richard there is hundreds of personal photos of Michael that you have taken over the years um, from when you were a teenager 
to you know when he just before he passed away, and yeah. many unseen as well. So I guess you've always said that you've never I guess sold the photos, but yeah. Um, is now a good time to sort of let the world see those photos? And, and knowing Michael's father was also up for you doing the book as well. Yeah, well, uh, after Michael passed away, and, you know, this happens with all of us, I guess, when someone close to you passes, you obviously start to remember them, you think of them, you, you know, go back to the stories and the time you spent with them. And for me, because I had so many photos over those eight years, I started going through my photo albums because, you know, that's where all my photos were. And, uh, started remembering all the old stories and, you know, oh, that's right, this happened then and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And and I thought, well, I should, you know, I really want to do something with all these photos. I had so many. There was literally five, 600 photos that I had of him over the years. And so I rang up his dad about two or three weeks after Michael passed and I said, we had a, we had a long chat and I said, look, I really want to do something for Michael, like a nice tribute. And I'm thinking of some sort of maybe like a coffee table, you know, photo book, and he goes, I love the idea, Richard. Come over to my apartment. So I went over there. I took a box of photos. We went through a lot of them. And, uh, and I just said to Kel, I said, you know, do you want to do something together? And he said, oh, look, that'd be fantastic. So we got together on the project and we started working on it. And then Kel passed away in 2002. And then after that, I got another book deal for something else. And then other things sort of came up into my life and other books were produced that I did, other exhibitions came up and but throughout that whole time I slowly put together this book on Michael because you know there was never any rush for me. I knew I had all the photos, I knew I had all the stories, I just had to do it when I wanted to do it and um, so it was just a matter of finding the right balance you know with the photos, the right stories and I didn't want to kind of wait for like an anniversary you know I wasn't thinking oh I'll do it on like a a 10th anniversary or a 20th anniversary or something obvious I thought I'll just I'll just do it when I think I'm ready to do it and uh last year when that uh book came out that I did called 100 Australian Legends when that finished and came out and I finished promoting it I kind of went through the Michael Hutchins folder and I thought okay now I'm ready to do this so I started working on it What's the feedback been like from fans and from Michael's family, Richard? The fans, like, certainly for me on Facebook, you know, the Michael fans that, you know, on Facebook that I know and, and stuff and, you know, and post things on my wall are, are really excited because I guess it's the kind of, it's it's quite a unique book. Like, it's the first book of its kind about Michael. So the other books that have come out over the years were, you know, kind of like autobiographies where this isn't, this is a very much of a, uh, for the fans, it's a picture book, it's a tribute book. There's lots of, po- it's all positive, so it's all mm. nice stories. Celebration. It's a celebration, yeah. No, it doesn't get into the life and, you know, the last couple of years of his life and the tabloid and all that sort of stuff where other books may have touched on. Yeah, this celebrates his life. So it's a, it's really, really doing well with the fans because they're, they're just thanking me, saying, thanks for doing this because, um, you know, we've waited so long for someone to do something really positive. So 
I'm just so happy that I can make other people happy with the photos that I've taken. Um, Michael in Pictures, a celebration of the life of Michael Hutchins from 1960 to 1997 is available in store now. Over 350 pages and photos of Michael from his career I'm photographed by um, Richard Simkin, my special guest this morning. Richard, thank you so much for joining us this morning on the show. Oh, no, it's always a pleasure, and I enjoyed our chat last year. I've still got that uh, downloaded, and I listened to our chat. I thought it was a fantastic interview, and you're doing a really good job. And uh, thanks for thinking of me again and, and talking about the Michael book. It's fantastic. No worries, Richard. And uh, if, if fans want to um, get in contact with you, they can do that on your Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook. I'm on Twitter. This uh, MichaelHutchinsBook.com is the website for for that Michael book. So yeah, there's lots of ways they can touch base and say hello. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure. Thank you. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy ninety four point nine. Support Joy ninety four point nine by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.